It is often said that in our age of assembly lines and mass production, there's no room for the individual craftsman, the artist in wood or metal, who made so many of the treasures of the past. Like most generalizations, this simply isn't true. He's rarer now, of course, but he's certainly not extinct. He has often had to change his vocation, but in his modest way, he still flourishes. Even on the island of Manhattan, he may be found, if you know where to look for him. Where rents are low and fire regulations unheard of, his minute, cluttered workshops may be discovered in the basements of apartment houses or in the upper stories of derelict shops. He may no longer make violins or cuckoo clocks or music boxes, but the skills he uses are the same as they always were, and no two objects he creates are ever identical. He is not contentious of mechanization. You will find several electric hand tools under the debris on his bench. He has moved with the times. He will always be around, the universal odd job man, who is never aware of it when he makes an immortal work of art. Hans Muller's workshop consisted of a large room at the back of a deserted warehouse, no more than a vigorous stone's throw from the Queensborough Bridge. Most of the building had been boarded up awaiting demolition, and sooner or later, Hans would have to move. The only entrance was across a weed-covered yard used as a parking place during the day, and much frequented by the local juvenile delinquents at night. They had never given Hans any trouble, for he knew better than to cooperate with the police when they made their periodic inquiries. The police fully appreciated his delicate position and did not press matters, so Hans was on good terms with everybody. Being a peaceable citizen, that suited him very well. The work on which Hans was now engaged would have deeply puzzled his Bavarian ancestors. Indeed, ten years ago, it would have puzzled Hans himself. And it had all started because a bankrupt client had given him a TV set in payment for services rendered. Hans had accepted the offer reluctantly, not because he was old-fashioned and disapproved of TV, but simply because he couldn't imagine where he would find time to look at the darn thing. Still, he thought, at least I can always sell it for $50. But before I do that, let's see what the programs are like. His hand had gone out to the switch. The screen had filled with moving shapes, and like millions of men before him, Hans was lost. He entered a world he had not known existed, a world of battling spaceships, of exotic planets and strange races, the world, in fact, of Captain Zip, commander of the Space Legion. Only when the tedious recital of the virtues of Crunch, the wonder serial, had given way to an almost equally tedious boxing match between two muscle-bound characters who seemed to have signed a non-aggression pact, did the magic fade. Hans was a simple man. He had always been fond of fairy tales, and this was the modern fairy tale, with trimmings of which the Grimm brothers had never dreamed. So Hans did not sell his TV set. It was some weeks before the initial naive, uncritical enjoyment wore off. The first thing that began to annoy Hans was the furniture and general decor in the world of the future. He was, as has been indicated, an artist. And he refused to believe that in a hundred years, taste would have deteriorated as badly as the crunch sponsors seemed to imagine. He also thought very little of the weapons that Captain Zip and his opponents used. It was true that Hans did not pretend to understand the principles 
upon which the portable proton disintegrator was based. But however it worked, there was certainly no reason why it should be that clumsy. The clothes, the spaceship interiors, they just weren't convincing. How did he know? He had always possessed a highly developed sense of the fitness of things, and it could still operate even in this novel field. We have said that Hans was a simple man. He was also a shrewd one, and he had heard that there was money in TV. So he sat down and began to draw. Even if the producer of Captain Zip had not lost patience with his set designer, Hans Muller's ideas would certainly have made him sit up and take notice.